Welcome, everybody, to Jeff versus the World. This is your boy, Jeff, and this is episode number two. And today's guest is Steve Williams. Uh, Steve, how are you doing today? I'm good, Jeff. Thanks for having me on, man. Okay. Uh, before we get started, tell it, tell everybody what it is. You know, they can find you, what it is that you do, so they can start following you and, uh, you know, keep their ear out open on things that you do. Yeah, my name is Steve. Like Jeff said, I am on a podcast on the Place to Be Nation pop feed called Songs with Friends, which me and my friend Kelly, once every other week, we go through and break down the lyrics behind two songs. Uh, sometimes we find deeper meanings, but more often than not, it is just me entertaining myself and finding ways to embarrass her. Uh, you can find that through any podcast or excuse me, podcast app uh, at Place to Be Nation pop. We're on a feed with several other great shows. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at Songs with Steve, all one word. I do have that locked up, but send me a follow. I'll probably accept it. And you can find my show's Twitter account at PTBN underscore songs. All right. Well, today's uh, topic, or we'll be going to dive into, is going to be about uh, the top five albums. And when I thought about this, I thought, you know, it doesn't have to specifically be the top greatest albums, just the, your personal top five um, music albums. It doesn't matter if it's rap, rock, jazz, whatever it may be. And actually, you know, I put the question out there to Twitter and we, we got I got a couple of responses here. So I'm just going to go through them and, and maybe talk about some of the albums. So we'll uh, start with the recent one. Uh, Nirvana. Never mind. Uh, I didn't expect that. But that was a good one. And uh, <laughs> that was a really, I didn't expect it with the list because this person did exactly what I wanted and they mixed it up. It was like Illmatic, Nas, uh, Chris Stapleton, uh, The Cool Kids, The um, Bake Sale, uh, Three Six Mafia presents Hypnotize Camp. So, they, you know, they just mixed up a, a lot of things. And that's what I was really looking for, not to be one sided to one genre. So they had Three Six Mafia and Nirvana on the same list. Yes. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We have Wu Tang Clan into the Thirty Six Chambers, uh, Death Certificate, Ice Cube, Fish Scale, um, Iron Man. No, excuse me, not Iron Man. Ghostface Killer, Fish Scale, uh, Jay Z, The Blueprint, and the Superfly soundtrack. Uh, let's see. We have Supreme Clientele, uh, Ghostface Killer again, uh, The War Report, Life After Death, uh, The Score, and Moment of Truth. And one more, Ready to Die. It was written, All Eyes on Me, The Blueprint, and The College Dropout. So, we got a lot. I got a lot more responses, but I'm not going to go all the way through them because we'll be here all night. So I, I decided that we were only going to do five. But once I saw that Steve, uh, he, he had a lot more, I think, that we could have went 10 or maybe even 15 to 20. <laughs> but I just I just decided to say, OK, we got three uh, honorable mentions. So what are your well, we can go back and forth. What is one of your honorable mentions? Oh, man, I, I wrote down a list of about nine just to be able to have backups. And like you said, they're not necessarily the five best albums. More, I picked five that maybe not even be my top, but just five that had uh, peak personal interest to me at various times. And uh, for my honorable mention, I'm just going to throw it out there because it probably hasn't been out long enough to make a top list. And if we revisit this in 10 years, it definitely would, is the Hamilton original broadcast crew, uh, soundtrack recorded in 2016. Uh, I just discovered that album recently, like in the last two, three months or so. And it has been heavy in the rotation. One of the better storytelling musicals of all time. And I am uh, ecstatic to be able just to listen to it walking around the house. Wow. I, I can honestly say I've never thought about listening to it. I mean, maybe I need to. Uh, I'm not sure if it's my cup of tea, but I, I, I'm willing to listen to anything. So that that's an interesting one. Hopefully, you know, somebody is going to pique somebody's interest and they're going to listen to that, too. Um, one for me is uh, Jay-Z's The Blueprint. 
And this is the only time you would hear Jay-Z name on my list. And it was tough because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Jay-Z fan. And I feel like that a lot of his work, especially uh, later on, and well, I would say, yeah, later on got better. I mean, his first album is a classic. But the blueprint, I think, is because it's, it's in heavy rotation. Like, I can still listen to it now, and I still always go back to it. And I feel like the blueprint and the black album were his lyrical peaks, just personally for me. And that was one of my honorable mentions is uh, Jay-Z, The Blueprint. Yeah, that is an amazing album that I didn't fully appreciate when it came out. Uh, being born in 1982, I would have been 19 when that album actually came out, I believe, on 9-11, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it did. So just hellacious luck for that. But uh, it was themes that were really too adult for someone who's 19 who hasn't experienced much of real life yet. Yeah, you know, That's one of the things where I listened to. I liked it well enough, but you know, I wasn't really feeling it, as they say. And I revisited it a few years later, and oh my God, that is an amazing piece of business. Yes, I um, I remember I got it before nine eleven. <laughs> I got it that uh, I think it was like a Thursday or a Wednesday from this spot uh, around my way. I was like, oh okay, he's selling it now. Okay, I was like, can I get it? So he <laughs> gave it to me, and I was just like, when I put it in, I was just so amazed of well, first of all, the production. The production is amazing, and I think that. Around that time, especially for uh, Kanye West as a producer, he was really in his bag. He was really like in his mode of the right beats could make that artist just mean so much more, especially if they could ride the track and the lyrics sounded really good. It just made, it just made the song and everything just flow a lot better. Yeah, I remember hearing uh, H to the Izzo, V to the Izzo. It just, holy shit, like, what is happening here? It, it wasn't such a departure from previous sound, but like you said, the production was just all of a sudden kicked up to a new level. It just kind of blew my mind the first time I heard that. Yeah, it was amazing. So what you got for number two? All right. On another honorable mention... Let's see, I also had Jay-Z's Blueprint actually on my list. Uh, I'll go with an album that isn't technically a great album, but it hit me just perfect at a time in my life. Uh, that was Blink-182's Enemy of the State. Uh, came out when I was a senior in high school uh, with such songs as What's My Age Again. You know, at 18 years old, you're an immature little punk. You don't really know anything. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I related, related to that quite a bit. Um also, a lot of elements of recent breakups and just struggling through life as a high school age kid. Yeah, I related to that album a lot back then. It's tight. It's not too long. It's about 36 minutes. Uh, you get in, you get out, they hit their spots, and they take it home. And with that kind of album, that's exactly what you need. You know, the funny thing about Blink-182 is I've never listened to a full album. I've always found tracks that I like, but I've never listened to a full album. Yeah, a lot of I mean, really don't, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> uh, a lot of the deep cuts don't really hold up so much. Uh, but that is probably their most, like the perfect blend between them going kind of the underground sound blended in with the real poppy type sound. Uh, from then on, it was just downhill fast. <laughs> uh, the other one from theirs I would recommend was uh, Dude Ranch, which came out in 95. That's the album that has Damn It on it, which is my favorite Blink song. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting to see just how for a moment in time those guys were doing some crazy good business. Yeah, um, they were one of those bands. I think I MTV made them more visible to me. So I, I thought, you know, watching videos back in the day, if you saw the video, you heard the song a lot. Then it was like, OK, this song is catchy. I like this song. I think that's what. You know, most of the songs that caught me, but I never decided to say, hey, let me pick up a Blink album. But, you know, <laughs> things happen. Uh, number two for me uh, is 
And this one hurts because it should be in my top five. It really should be because I go back to it a lot now, and that's Wu-Tang Clan into the 36 Chambers. I, I'm i not going to say I was on Wu-Tang Clan when they first, first came out because I wasn't. But I think after I started hearing people talk about them a little more, I caught on. And I was like, who is this group? And, you know, they were telling me all the names. I was like, wait a minute. Is that many people in the group? I was Because I was just amazed. I was like, what? And, <laughs> right. And somebody just let me borrow. I think somebody gave me their, their CD to say, hey, you could borrow it. And I didn't want to give it back. I really, I just wanted to keep it. I was like, no, nah, yeah, this is good. Let me keep it another week. Then finally, I just went and got my own. And that's an album where you can tell that these were artists that were Hungry as far as wanting that exposure, uh, wanting to be heard. Um, and they had something to say. And it was at that time, it was just so different from what everybody else was doing. Because uh, around that time, if my memory serves me, you had um, you had Biggie, uh, you had uh, Tupac, you had uh, uh, Snoop Dogg, you had uh, Mob Deep. You just had a lot of elements going on you had um outcast you know you had all these things happening and to hear a group like that function for an album and, and the album's just so perfect like every song flowed um the risen his production was i mean just amazing every, every song it was like i didn't i don't skip a track i still don't skip a track it can it's just a nice play a nice listen, even now. And I think that album came out in 92, 93, 94, somewhere around that area. I'm not sure, but it's just a really great album. And I suggest anybody who's ever heard, you know, uh, maybe a Method Man song or a Ghostface song, but never listened to Wu-Tang Clan, that's the only album you need to listen to. That's just the I remember the first time I saw the cream video. It was like midnight, you know, on a Friday night. I would have been middle school age. Looks like the album came out in November of 93. Ah. And it, it sounded like nothing I'd ever heard before. And it was kind of the same vibe as you. I'm like, all right, why are there 40 guys here? And why are they all getting a turn? <laughs> but like, it works. Like, you drop ODB in any other group and it's not going to have nearly the same impact uh, just imagining someone like the characters of old dirty bastard and rizza coexisting and it works you know, it's that crazy ass cousin you've had your whole life that you know it, he's probably gonna l lead to everyone's downfall but you all love him so you keep him around yeah it, it is just wild uh, i have another rooting album possibly on my list so i'll I will refrain from commenting on the only album you need to listen to take. I'm a, I like 36 chambers, but I liked another one more that we may I, get into later. And, and we may have to debate. I, I, if it's, if it's what I think it is, we may have to have a little debate because I, I have an <laughs> issue with that. album. but I'm, we will, we'll save it. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, we can go to the, the last, our last, uh, honorable mentions. <laughs> All right. Mine is, only here just for the sheer ridiculous nature of this album. It is uh, the South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut soundtrack. Uh, is this like traditionally good music? Absolutely not. But uh, for those of you who aren't aware of who I am, I am a registered nurse. And the day that I was going to take my entrance exam for nursing school, I was nervous as hell. I get to the parking lot and I listen to Terrence and Phillips sing Uncle Fucker in the parking lot and it was so ridiculous <laughs> that i couldn't just help but laugh and i was perfectly calm going into that test and it started a tradition of listening to that song every time i had a test in nursing school uh, this album is the reason when anyone asked me hey how are you i'm always it's super thanks for asking <laughs> <laughs> it's been 19 years of me keeping this up uh, just like i said place and time 2000 or 1999, 99, I was in 17. Uh, this may have been the first R rated movie that I was able to go to on my own. 
So yeah, it definitely holds a, a special place for me. Uh, not something I listen to often, but when I do, it makes me smile. Uh, that's all right. That's what hey, that's what it's supposed to. Do. Anything that brings you enjoyment. Uh, the last one for me is Kendrick Lamar's "To Pimp a Butterfly," and this was another one that was going to be in my top five, but I felt like it just came out in 2015. Maybe you know, right. maybe ten years from now, I might be like, you know what? But it's still, I still go back to it and listen to it a lot, uh, especially when I'm, if if I'm doing some paperwork at work and I'm in the office, this is probably playing. And it was just a uh, album that I think, um, I think people, I think we needed this album at the time because he was talking about a lot of things that were actually happening as far as uh relationships with police and things that were happening in the community and things like that. And it was just an album that really hit home. And I think at the time, that's why everybody was just like, you know, this album is amazing. And everybody was saying, you know, this is a classic after the first week. And I understood it, but I think the, the drawback or the fight with that was people was like, no, no, we're not going to do this. The album just come, came out. Y'all are not going to try to give it a classic already. And I can understand because I know how people are with Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, um, rappers like that because we don't have a lot of those rappers now, the conscious rappers. I mean, we do, but the exposure that those two get is really amazing because they really set themselves apart from everybody else. So, yeah, To Pimp a Butterfly was my honorable mention. Yeah, that is the only rap album in the last 10 years or so that just that i'm aware of i'll say that i've kind of dropped out of the game myself uh just brought this energy that just cannot be even explained uh, my ex-wife who would have been you know in her mid-40s at the time <laughs> she had seen him on the grammys and you know, she's have you heard of this kendrick lamar guy <laughs> it, it was when he came out with the performance and they're all shackled and just this not just super pro black this is our struggle kind of thing but this very in your face necessary aggression about it that is just an incredible piece of business and, you know i prefer more good kid mad city mm-hmm. but it is like i said just it can't be denied it's definitely one worth revisiting 10 years from now uh, as we said uh, our mutual friend cam hawkins when he i just kind of given up on newer rap and he had recommended Good Kid, Mad City, and he described it as a quim and I for 90s babies. And I listened to it, and yeah, that's exactly the vibe I got. And if, if Good Kid, Mad City was a quim and I, then this is just something completely, this is more, almost like the Wu-Tang counter to that. <laughs> just, just pure raw energy, and I love it. You know, the amazing thing about the uh, Good Kid, Mad City was I didn't like it at first. Oh, I hated it. I hated that album. And I didn't. And the whole thing was, I think it was a thing of. uh, The J. Cole, everybody was telling me how good it was. And it may be because I didn't hear it or I never got a chance to sit down with it. I was just like, no, whatever. I don't care what y'all talking about. I'm not listening to it. It can't be. No, eventually I sat down with it. And I sat down with it and it was like maybe three or four months. I was like, yo, this album is really good. Because you know that album was a story. It was it it was a an easy story to follow if you really listen. You know, listen to what he's saying. Listen to the you know every song, and it was it, it was a really complete album. And I wish if we had a top ten, both of those albums would probably be on there. But now we're going to go into our top five. Uh, I guess I'll go with number. I'll start with my number five album. My number five album is uh, Kanye West, the College Dropout. And you know, I know how everybody feels about Kanye West now, but then I don't know, this I, this dropped in February two thousand and four. Um, standout tracks for me were Through the Wire, uh, Two Words, Last Call, and Jesus Walks. He touched on a lot of things with his album for me. It was like. Uh, I remember it was like uh, materialism, racism, education, and, and family, religion. And he was that bridge from a uh, conscious rapper 
to you know that 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 big star rapper. If you could look at it, he was like in between Ta- uh, Talib Kweli and Jay Z. He was the middle person, and I think at that time, um, in two thousand and four, especially, he was needed for that because it made people feel more comfortable as far as other artists coming out saying, "Well, I don't have to go so far to the left, and I don't have to go so far to the right." There's a middle ground for me that I can be at. Um, I just think this album still now, even now, it's hard for me to listen to Kanye now. But I could not not put this album in my top five because it was just an amazing piece of work at the, at the time. And it still is now. I mean, just the production. Kanye was just, you know, he was bringing that sound, that soul sound, the sped up uh, samples to sound like chipmunks. It was just something nobody heard, and it was just amazing. So, yeah, number five for me is the college dropout, Kanye West. Yeah, there are two sound bites from that that really grabbed me. Uh, first was on Slow Jams, and it's so stupid but so observant. When he said, I got a dark-skinned friend look like Michael Jackson, got a light-skinned friend look like Michael Jackson. I'm like, all right, that is hilarious. And there's no reason that it took somebody this long to make that reference. <laughs> <You know? laughs> It, it painted a picture. All yeah. right. I, I'm. I, this is what I'm working with. Let's see what we can do. But then in All Falls Down, he just, out of nowhere, just blurts out, we're all self-conscious. I'm just the first to admit it. And that was a rare look at introspective Kanye, which doesn't exist anymore. I mean, this man is a completely different monster now. Yeah. You know, back then, he was you know, capable of self-examination and kind of seeing his own flaws just like you said, very heartfelt, a real rawness to hip hop that was absent at the time. It really largely still is now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like a, it's a hole. Like you, yeah, I know you, I understand you got, you, you got, it's just that we don't have that middle, that middle ground where it's now it's like, where you either mumbling, rappling or even your conscious now. But you don't have that person that maybe that can ride both lines and kind of like bring everybody to right in the middle. It's it's tough. I guess that's a tough thing because I guess, and I try to tell people what I think happened with Kanye was, well, as far as musically, you put so much into getting on. And at, at that time, I remember I remember him telling stories and even on the album, you know, you know, the polo shirts, the being different. And once your money change, once things change, he started going more to the right of, well, you know, I am this now. I don't have these things to talk about. And it may happen with every artist, I guess it does. You know, you just don't you don't have those things to talk about no more. So it's kind of like, well, I have to be braggadocious. I have to be braggadocious. I have to be braggadocious now. But, you know, well, that and Kanye's dip in creativity i think started too with the loss of his mom i don't know how much she worked to balance a lot of his extremes to where now that he doesn't have any check and balance system in place it's just him and this crazy ass family unit he's built who none of these people around him are based in reality nor had they been for many years so there's no there's nobody to pull that back no and I always wondered who were, and I'm almost sure he has close, what well, he have, or he had close friends that maybe he pushed away or maybe just was like, you know what? I'm going to let you be, let you figure it out. Because ah, it's just a, oh, I, I just, you just see the change over time. And, and you go back to this, where it all started. And it's just like, man, what happened to this guy? But, you know, things happen, life happens. And, not making excuses for him, but, you know, losing a mother and, like you said, a crazy family and not to mention his mental issues. And it's a lot. So, but, hey, man, college dropout, it was it was a great piece of work, and I think it still holds up now. Uh, and even the albums after that really were, you know, late registration. I, I love late, late registration and also uh, – my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. I think that was it after that. I, yes, that was it. <laughs> so, what you got for number five, Steve? 
All right, for my number five, I'm cheating a little bit here and going with a greatest hits album. Uh, this is the originally released in 1975, but I own the 1995 re-release of Al Green's Greatest Hits. Just a collection of bangers, a murderous roll of old school, mama cleaning the house kind of R&B. Just from the start, Tired of Being Alone is just a ridiculously good song. Uh, of course, the big ones, you know, Love and Happiness, Let's Stay Together, which he puts back to back. It's just an ultimate alpha move, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's get these two songs that you can't go 15 minutes without hearing on any old school black station and let's put them together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bell's a banger. Let's get married. Look what you've done for me. Just uh, this is a, a perfect album. If you have some time with your lady in the evening, maybe you don't feel like going out, cook a little meal up, put on a candle and put this album on. It's not so slow that she's going to fall asleep, but not so fast that she's not going to be feeling it. It's a good consistent groove. Uh, it'll it'll set the it's a nice mood piece. Um, everybody's house uh should have an Al Green. Yeah, played Al Green in it. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Al Green. I've I've been over my grandma. My grandmother had Al Green um albums. My mother had Al Green albums. Even my aunts had Al Green albums. So it's just like one of those things that I've always heard. Been around cookouts. I, I just always heard Al Green. So. That right there, that that's a that's a beautiful one. Even though you cheated a little, I still I, 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 I like it though. I like that. You know, in what I did here, uh, I looked at the Rolling Stone top five hundred albums, and this was in the top ten. So I said, "All right, if it's good enough for Rolling Stone, it's good enough for me." <laughs> no, <laughs> no argument here. Um, <laughs> let's see, number four, number four for me. Um, number four for me is Lupe Fiasco's Lupe Fiasco's Food and Liquor. Uh, came out in 2008, I believe in September. Um, when I heard Kick Push, I said, who is this kid? I I, I just remember hearing this single, and I was like, he's going to be somebody. I didn't know how big he was going to be, and I just said, he's going to be somebody who puts out constantly constantly puts out good, great work. And then once I heard Kick Push before the album came out, I remember going back and listening to a lot of his mixtapes. Um, and I was just like, yo, this kid really, he can paint a picture with his lyrics that you can see, um, from the kick push and the album comes out, uh, daydreaming, uh, I gotcha and the cool, it was a concept album. Um, if I remember right, he said something like, um, food is the good and liquor is the bad. And it's, 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 you know, it's human nature to have all, you know, human nature to have all of that. It's just how we operate and maneuver and what we do. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of clever. Um, but it's just forward, backwards, backwards and forwards. Uh, Food and Liquor is just a great Lupe Fiasco album. And um, that's just number four for me. Yo, Hurt Me Soul is an amazing track on that album. It's almost identical verses, just with very slight, subtle shifts and tones uh, from both the child and the mother's perspective of growing up in a house without the father. Yes. Just raw and emotional and amazing. Uh, another out, another track on this one that uh, really struck me, and I still – I don't know the last time I listened to this album, but I would still just walk around the house to myself – it just might be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just so much. Uh, the instrumental is an amazing track. He say, she say, oh man, just so much good stuff here. Yeah. Daydreaming was my last like ringtone back when ringtones were a thing. <laughs> I think I had it too. <laughs> he was like, oh, you like Daydream? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this song. I, I think it was one that it was just, I, it was a catchy song, but then if you had to like, okay, it was catchy, but then you had to really listen to what he's saying as far as lyrics. And I found that interesting in a lot of his albums where, okay, if you look at it, it's always a double meaning to everything. Or it's always, it was more than what you think it is. It's not just on the surface. So I, I just love Lupe Fiasco. He's one of my favorite artists. Yeah, he's another one that just kind of 
was doing great for a while, and then his more recent stuff just hasn't hit me as hard. But he's definitely one to his best stuff is absolutely elite. Hey, you know something? I, we, I, after the show, I'm gonna give you a Lupe song to listen to. It's kind of recent, but it's a okay. song that you should listen to because I think he's drifted. He's drifted far, far from the commercial. So he's like more now of okay. I've made my money doing it that way. Listen to what I have to say now. But you know, I, I, I it's a song I want you to hear. But what's your number? Uh, number four. All right, for my number four, I'm going with N.E.R.D. In Search Of, which was released in, I believe, 2001, maybe 2002. Uh, just even the aesthetic of the uh, of the cover art. Just a guy on kind of a shitty couch wearing socks playing a PlayStation 1. Like, that was my aesthetic at the time. <laughs> just very unique. March 2001. Just the sound that I had never heard from anyone <laughs> a lap dance is a ridiculous song yes <laughs> just that hard-ass instrumental and it's the kind of thing that would come on like uncut <laughs> and you're just like what is happening you know it's it's midnight the house is dark and it's just people on half pipes and a dark room and there's this white kid over here rapping like what the hell is going on here uh Brain is a great song. Provider. Truth or dare. So much good stuff here. Uh, let's see. What's the southern I was just thinking of? Bobby James. Bobby James. Just not a not a glamorizing song about the drug dealer life, but it's just about the hustle. This guy says, you know, he had the same clothes on for days. He's filthy, but he feels like he has to get out there and keep making that money. A uh, rock star at the time was a crazy big song. A little bit questionable lyrics on that one. He says uh, that, that he swallows guys. You know, that's uh, <laughs> this kind of thing you don't want to just put out there badly. Pause, pause. <laughs> big time pause there from Pharrell. <laughs> it's too damn late to apologize, though. He was yeah. all in. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, for, for its time and place, just a, a damn supernova <laughs> of sonic sounds that we hadn't heard anywhere else. Yeah, um, I remember uh, it took me a while. I had to keep listening and keep listening. Finally, I was just like, okay, okay. Because, you know, I was like, N-E-R-D, what is this? And I'm thinking it's going to be one thing. But I'm like, okay, this is a totally different thing than from what Neptunes is. And, you know, just more listens. And then when I got into it and I became big fans, especially when they started coming out with more albums, I would always check for it. Let me, let me listen to this album and see how it sounds. But Lap Dance, that was my song. I loved Lap Dance. That song was great. Just the, the driving cadence. Oh, man, just so good. <laughs> Ooh, um, number three. And I'm going to take heat for number nah, – I, I really am going to – I probably would have somebody say something, but I don't care. So number three for me is Andre 3000's Love Below. I, oh, you talk about me cheating. Hey, hey hold on. <laughs> I, I've, I've never listened to Big Boy's side of the album. I've never listened completely. I've never Ooh. listened to it because once I heard this, I just never went back and listened to it because this album, and I said this on Twitter a long time ago, The Love Below is an imperfectly perfect album. It's a mess. And it's supposed to be that way. I think Andre pushed the boundaries as far as he could for hip hop. And, and, and sometimes it did cross over. It's like, what is this? But it was just an amazing sound. Every song was just like, okay, I got to hear what he's going to do next. Uh, from, you know, I can go through the songs, but I, like I said, I listened to the whole album. So there's no need for me from Dracula's Wedding to uh, uh, it, it's just too many songs on it. It's just a complete beautiful mess for me. And I love that album. I still listen to it to this day. The Love Below, Andre 3000. Yeah. As a persona who has very fantastical and unrealistic things that he says and does uh, for the Andre 3000 character, this album hits on so many real themes with relationships 
there's a certain level of frankness that you don't get a lot of places. Even the skit, where are my panties? Like that's a real situation. Yeah. You, know, you wake up the morning after and these are the thoughts that happen in your head. You know, maybe she'll make me breakfast. Let me just lay here and rub on her booty. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then going from that into prototype, which is an amazing song. Uh, the morning after a first date, I was cleaning my house and prototype came on my, my, my computer library at the time. And I b- directly blame that for me marrying that woman. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you are the one. If not, you are the prototype. I'm like, what a great way to look at it. It's yeah. So I remember this album won the gravy that year for album of the year. And I remember living in Kentucky, hearing some rumblings that uh, you know, they just wanted to give it to a, a hip hop album. Like, no, you guys listen to this. This isn't just a hip hop album. This is like a generationally unique piece of business here. Listen to this. Uh, appreciate how far outside the box this man went. Like he has earned this Grammy. It it was insane because I was like, he made an album and he put said, "Hey, I'm gonna put Rosario Dawson on my album." Rosario Dawson right. is on my album, and Rosario Dawson to uh, Nora Jones. Who does that? And it, it makes sense in the album, like with, with the visuals, like you said, the things that he's talking about. It, it was just amazing, and I can see where why they decided, hey, you do speaker box, I'm going to do this, because at that point, I can understand musically they may have been looking at things quite differently you know from what they were when they were younger and it happens groups don't last all the time so you know if people want to do different things and this was different i know a lot of people who hate this album but i just feel like it's it's just an amazing piece of work and am i going to go back and listen to speaker bach eventually i will eventually but i just i just never do i just always go to these tracks and just Listen to um, The Love Below. There is a piano cut of Rodgers and Hammerstein, my favorite things from The Sound of Music, and it's not out of place. Like That's the kind of album this is. Uh, and then wrapping it up with A Day in the Life, which is just five minutes of him just going. Just It's like a, a one-man cipher for five minutes. Just yeah. insane. Basically, what he just basically said how he came, what, how, what he was doing, how they got, how they got there, what it is to be a star and where they, where they were at, at that point. And I was just like, he's wrapped all this in five minutes and just basically told you his life as far as where he was at and where he got to. And I was just and like, no, no hook, just a man going <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. I said it once. I said it again. If Andre 3000 is not in your top five lyric rappers, whew, I gotta, I gotta talk to you. <laughs> but okay you got next alright man uh, I'm uh, crossing people off my list I had an Outcast album that uh, I've now pulled from the rotation since we got from Outcast songs in uh, so I'm going to add in Music Soul Child 2001 I Just Want to Sing uh, just ridiculous new age R&B at the time let me pull it up here uh we on songs with friends we covered uh, just friends which changed the way i approached women at the time i instead of going you know all or nothing like we have to be together forever or i can't even talk to you it's more of a natural progression of how a relationship works uh just a real laid back hey you know i'm gonna approach you i like to be your friend i like to get to know you maybe be in a relationship if you're not cool with that you know what that's cool too enjoy your day you know, it really helps my perspective on just learning my way through life. Uh, Love is a good song, but it's it's one of those things that's more cliche, uh, kind of meanders a little bit. Now, a track that I do want to talk about here, because it ended up having a sequel, which makes me wonder just how much of this actually happened, was track 10 on the album called 17, where he meets this girl, talks about how she's you know, driving the best cars, has a style that's impeccable uh, she tries to get to the club she has static at the door finds out she's only 17 years old and can't see her anymore and it's one of those things where you hear like oh man that sucks but then he sang about it again on his next album 
They're like, all right, this guy definitely knocked off a miner somewhere. <laughs> and he's trying to get these skeletons out of his closet. Telling on himself. Not good. <laughs> he, he could not stop telling on himself. <laughs> he just <laughs> kept revisiting. Um, I think I listened to this album once. And this is around 2000. So yes. I'm almost sure that I was kind of not on my R&B kick like I should have been. So I really, I, I remember hearing, you know, Music Soul Child, but I think I was more of the, you know, the hits, the videos. I didn't really dive, dive into the album. It was probably maybe on once or twice. But what I do remember is that I really, you know, Just Friends was a good song. Um, uh, it was another song he had on there that I think I really liked. But it's been a while since I um, heard it. So, but I just didn't know he was a, a voice a good voice for that time, that 2000 time for R&B. I think he was one of the people that did stick out for me because he was always on you know, rotation. Yeah, I bought his album and Jill Scott's album the same day. I mean, you tell me that's not an amazing rookie class you know, for, for R&B. Yeah, and, and uh, Jill Scott, I remember I had to go back and get her <laughs> album because I was like, oh, man. And when I started hearing her, like, I think it was like a Roots album I heard her on singing. Yes. And I was like, wait a minute, she's the one who sings that? And I was like, oh, I have to go back and, you know, and so amazing. Um, Where are we? We are number two. Number two for me, now, now I'm about to go really far left for me, for people who might not know me. My number two album, my one of my favorite albums that I listen to, to to this day is Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, wow. Um, I, I I can tell on myself, you know, it was weed involved when I first listened to this album and I was with somebody and it was my first time smoking weed. And I was like, oh, okay. He's, I'm gonna play something for you. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so at this time I'm just like, whatever. So I'm listening. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I don't, at first I said, this is just a weed. I'm not going to, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm not going to listen to this again. And then I just remembered, hey, I want to listen to that Pink Floyd album again. So I remember asking, I said, what what was the name of that album? And he told me, and I said, okay. So I actually went and just bought it. And I remember I had like maybe two or three copies because I remember one got scratched and I lost another one. But this album is just, it's an experience. Um, And yes, I do believe in, I don't care what they say. I do believe in the uh, Wizard of Oz, <laughs> Dark Side of Oz, playing <laughs> along with this because too much stuff just match up too well. But it's it's one of those albums again. It's, it's a concept album, and that's when I noticed uh, yesterday. I was like, man, I really like a lot of concept albums. Um, you know, they dove into uh, death, time, mental illness, uh, greed. It was just one of those albums, and if you're not a rock fan or you know. This is kind of a trippy album, kind of say, because it's has a, it goes to a lot of instrumentals. So you'll hear maybe one verse or two for short verses, and then it's just like music, noises, sounds. I just think this is a, a an incredible piece of work by a great band, and it's just one of those things that I think I will always listen to. I remember uh, recently I was listening to it, and uh, my wife came in, and she was just like, what the fuck are you listening to? And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, hey man, I can't even explain to you if I had the time. And then she just looked at me and just was like, okay, whatever. But yeah, I just love that album. Yo, I have never listened to Pink Floyd. Ever? Not once. And, and that's coming from a guy who has a music podcast. I've never, like, I recognize something, like I recognize money, mm-hmm. but I don't think I've ever sat down and given this a full listen. Uh, it, it's it's one of those things like I like I said I me it was by accident being you know a teenager or whatever, um but it's it's an amazing piece of work like and in that time the I think a lot of the things that they were doing were far ahead of his time I think that was like seventy three so what they were doing it was just like yo you know people had to catch up to them but. It's a great album. If you ever get a chance, or if you ever feel like it, I think it's like almost like maybe like 40 something minutes, maybe 30, 30 minutes. I'm not sure how long the album is. I know it's a short yeah, it list. Looks- I think it's like 30 minutes, 35. 
it, it looks like just a it's like it's two sided. One side just a hair under twenty minutes, and one just a hair over twenty three. Yeah, it's. Hey, if you ever get a chance to listen to it, just you know, just say okay, I listened to it one time. Fuck with Jeff talking about, but <laughs> I just love the album. <laughs> That's number two for me, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. You know, I'm actually adding it to my Apple Music right now. All right, man, good stuff. for number two all right my number two let's go with and again i've kind of gone out of order here because i've been tinkering with the rotation as we've been uh, going along uh let's go with biggie life after death for number two all right uh, 1997 uh, album released just a few weeks after the man died and it is very rare that you get a double album with as little filler as life after death just insane, insane ratio of good work in this album. It's completely different from Ready to Die. Ready to Die was a lot more raw. The production's really stepped up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just Biggie at his best. Just like, imagine had he been alive when this actually came out. Just the trajectory his career would have taken. I, like this man would have been set for life. Yeah. Uh, uh, song I heard in a club a few years ago and blew my mind hearing it in public on such a good sound quality was Notorious Thugs. Just Biggie keeping up with Bone Thugs is just insane. It's one of my favorite instrumentals of all time. Oh, man. We may be already talking about this album. It's it's one of those things where I got it and it was so much to process, but it was like it was amazing. I was like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. He didn't do this because he went from, okay, you got uh, at least hypnotized, uh, kick in the door, uh, uh, what's beef, uh, more money, more problems. And now for my favorite song from now, I got a story to tell. I was just like, oh, yeah. wait, wait a minute. How it, like, we, like, when people always say, oh, well, he only had two albums or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Did you listen to the work that he put in? Like, it's okay. I granted, it's it's not a, you know, a long catalog, but Life After Death is an amazing piece of work. It's you know he just left that, left this for us, and I just I go back and listen to that, and that's this is an album that missed the cut too that I wish I could you know I could have put in, but I I didn't. But it's it's amazing what he did in that short more amount of time. Yo, uh, talking, you're nobody till somebody kills you. Amazing song. Uh, I'm going to censor myself a bit here. Redacted's Bleed on that first album. So good. Such a good story. Does He really paints a picture. I mean, in the midst of all these people getting shot and shit, there's somebody's car gets towed away because they double parked by a hydrant. You know, just such a small, that's a New York detail right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then mixed in with, you know, More Money, More Problems is an amazing pop song. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he does back-to-back tracks of Nasty Boy where he starts out literally shitting on somebody <laughs> and the sky's the limit. <laughs> this amazing versatility. Uh, another underrated song. Nobody ever talks about another with Lil' Kim. Oh, yeah, yeah, Just yeah. like that. Yeah, that level of of uh, uh, of scandalous behavior and then that relationship falling apart. And then just them spilling everything and just the hatred. She said when she sucked him, it was like smoking a roach. I mean, I would cry forever if somebody said that about me. (laughs) (laughs) Is this is like that? This is what I told. I try to tell people all this. I said Biggie. It was just something about him where he could weave in between the commercial and 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 underground cut so well. Like it was just like okay, I'll do this. You know commercial track but i gotta do at least three of these and i'll go back to another commercial but then you gotta give me two more and it was just like okay it was just amazing to see because he was just so talented and so good and you know at an early age you know to be taken like that uh it was ah it's sad but it's like the amazing work he left here still you can go back and listen to it it's just like wow man it was he was just an amazing um artist 
Yeah, there's tidbits I hear from this song still that will make me laugh. When he says, my Mercedes seats four in the back and two if you're fat. Oh, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) And and he would say stuff like that with so much charm and wit. And it was like, okay, he knows what he just said right there. And he knows it's funny. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, that that, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, To close it out for me, number one on my list and. It, this is no surprise to anybody who knows me very, very well. Uh, number one for me is uh, Stevie Wonder, Songs of the Key of Life. Um, I found this album at a weird point in my life because I think uh, a lot of things were not happening my way, I guess. And it was just a tough part. Uh, you know, I was in my I was in my 20s and life just hit me. I was out on my own. Things were happening fast. I was like, what the fuck? So I was just really into listening to music and stuff like that. And then somebody, you know, I don't know how I just decided. I said, I'm going to listen to this. And it changed everything for me. It was just an album that is, I don't know. It's, he, he talks about a lot of things when I love. You know, first love, um, lost love, uh, faith, a lot of things like that. And he had already been on his run of albums at that point. And if I read correctly, I think at this point, before he even came out with the album, he was thinking about quitting music. And he worked on this album for two years. And the songs, the list of songs that you can go through this album and say, hey, I know who uh, somebody who sampled that. Or I, I, you know, somebody redid this song from Summer Soft to um, Ass. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of songs. Hold on, let me actually look at it. Because right now my man is. Okay, here we go. So. Isn't she lovely? Sir Duke. Uh. <laughs> uh Knocks me off my feet. Pastime paradise. Summer soft. <laughs> it goes on and 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 on. And I just think this is just one of those albums for me that I can just go back and listen to anytime, anywhere, because it's a lot of positive. It's a lot of um, introspective looking at things as far as the world and what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of things talking about hope and joy and just a lot of feelings with this album because it's not all pleasant and he can paint a picture very well. And at that time, I just feel like Stevie Wonder for me is for what a lot of people felt like Michael Jackson is to them. And I know he get a lot of jokes for, you know, can he see or not see and all this other stuff. (laughs) But this album right here was the album that said, you know what, Stephen Wonder is that guy. You know, if he left, if he left us with just this, it, it it's just like almost, you know, thank you, man, thank you for this piece of work. Songs of Kia Life is just my number one album of um, all time for me, and I don't think that would no album would ever change that for me. But you know, it may be different twos, threes, fours, and five, but I love this album. So yeah, that's it. You know, I don't think I've ever listened to this all the way through. Uh, I'm not a real big Stevie guy Uh, around the time in my life that uh, like for a parallel, the time you discovered him, Mm -hmm. that would have been about the time I stumbled upon Marvin Gaye. And my first real deep dive exposure to Marvin Gaye was what's going on. And he was just talking about all this, you know, cultural and environmental and all this different kind of stuff. And then I started to read more about him and just saw the ups and downs of the life and the, the addiction issues and you know, getting shot by his dad and you know, pushing the boundaries of the music. Uh, so you know, that was the sound I appreciated more than I did Stevie. Mm-hmm. So looking at this, the, the standout track to me just reading the, the titles is I recognize Knocks Me Off My Feet as a, a song I really liked a lot. This is definitely one I'm going to. If Jeff recommends it, then I'm going to give it a listen for sure. Yeah, and you know, you're. I think around that time, a lot of those artists, especially in the Motown, they had the same, not the same, uh, you know, just talking about the same issues because I get, you know, what they were going through around that time, and a lot of them being around the same age, 
it was great that a lot of them, especially them, you know, working together and being around each other. I think it was a lot of of a lot of the same things being talked about just in different ways. And yeah, you're not the first person I heard say I'm not a big Stevie guy. Cause some people, you know, just they just not a big Stevie person. And I, and I understand it. You know, Stevie, when you when you hear this, uh look down on your iPhone and <laughs> subscribe to that podcast feed. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not that's is that is not right. We do not know if no, I don't. I'm not sure anymore. But anyway, <laughs> what's your number one? <laughs> hey, you know, just real quick, uh, the Stevie can see theory gets blown out of the water if you look at the uh, 1997 VMAs when they left him on stage. <laughs> they they were doing Wild Wild West with Will Smith and everybody else just bolts and leaves poor Stevie sitting there in the dark by himself. Yeah, they be they be did Stevie dirty that night. It did. All right, man. My number one album is uh, completely left field from the rest of my list. Uh, this is from the summer of 2002. This is By the Way by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, it is, for somebody who I am admittedly not a Beatles guy at all, this is very Beatles influenced. You can tell. A complete different sound from a lot of their stuff. For me, Chili Peppers, they could be really hit or miss. Like, their good stuff is excellent, but there's a lot of middling bullshit in there, too. Mm-hmm. And this was their first album that really just every track hit for me. At the time, I was living in kind of the artsy section of Louisville, Kentucky. Yes, that, that does exist. And I would uh, just walk around. I was 22 years old or so. I'd just walk around my headphones and listen to the album on repeat and just take in the sights and sounds and just the, the vibe of the neighborhood. Uh, some of the standout tracks on this, uh, Zephyr was a big hit. I actually used Can't Stop for my first, uh, when I was doing professional wrestling, Can't Stop was my first interest music before I was chastised for having a 30-minute drum solo at the beginning of my interest music. Oh, no, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, it built the anticipation, but to be fair, you know, who did I ever beat? You know? Yeah. By the way, Dost, oh, man. Uh, just ridiculously introspective lyrics on some of these. Uh, he says on the best on the day his best friend died, he could not keep his copper clean. Just oh man, so so good. And it kind of falls apart toward the end. Throw your television and Cabron aren't the best songs, uh, but it's one that if you've never listened to it, I absolutely recommend sitting down. It's kind of long, almost seventy minutes, uh, but just l- listen to it in one continuous sitting if you can and it is it will take you for a ride you know the great thing about the red hot chili peppers is that it seems to me i always find one song off their albums i like so i'm pretty sure that i have to i'll find something to be oh i didn't know it was on this album but the only um album of theirs i ever listened to completely was a uh, blood blood sugar sex magic and that's just because you know how i had to listen to it just to see yeah. Um, but it's not a it. It's a good album, but you know it has its ups and downs. Yeah, that was a. Uh, it's a very nineteen ninety one album. It, 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 it's it's a Rick. <laughs> it, it's a Rick Rubin album. <laughs> if you know it, 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 it sounds. It they, how can I say it? It's you. Can, if you know Rick Rubin's style, or you you know him, I think you can listen and pick oh rick rubin has something to do with this oh he did something to do with this so yeah it's funny we had covered the dixie chicks on songs with friends recently and it was the one song of theirs that i like uh not ready to make nice and i didn't realize until we were recording like oh of course rick rubin produced this of course it's the one song that i like (laughs) yeah (laughs) it seems that rick rubin can always find his way in the song that you like somehow like oh rick rubin all right (laughs) So yeah, that that was our list. Um, did you like it? Did you didn't like it? Did you agree? Disagree? Uh, hey, you can always jump on Jeff versus the World at Twitter. Uh, tell me your list. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you didn't like. Tell me how this episode went because this is episode number two, and I fucking actually got through the whole episode with a recording. So this is a great thing for me. Uh, 
But uh, Steve, I just want to tell you, um, I appreciate you uh, joining me on this episode and I, want, I appreciate you helping me out as far as like questions and things that I have no idea what I'm doing and you always willing to, you know, lend a helping hand or give me some advice or things like that. And I just want to let you know that I, I really do appreciate you. Oh, of course, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. This is uh, Jeff versus the world episode two. Everybody have a good one. Peace.